0: You're listening to Human Rights Talks, organized by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. Executive Director Kyle Matthews is organizing a series of interviews to support the AI and COVID Disinformation Initiative by the OSCE Office for the Representative of Freedom of the Media. Hello, uh, my name is Kyle Matthews. I'm Executive Director of the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Rights Studies. I'm very pleased today to uh, have another interview as part of the AI and COVID Disinformation Initiative, supported by the OSCE's Office uh, for the Representative of of Freedom of the Media. Um, Really pleased today to have with us... Marcus uh, Kolga. Marcus is the founder of DisinfoWatch, an initiative at the McDonald Laurier Institute, um, one of the top experts on disinformation, foreign interference. Um, so Marcus, wonderful to have you join us today. Thanks for having me on, Kyle. Marcus, I want to talk about kind of three things today. One is uh, disinformation around COVID and also the issue about artificial intelligence, what it can be used to to detect disinformation or its role in in radicalizing people that believe in disinformation and how it all ties back to our human rights the strength of democracies and freedom of expression. So so first tell me a bit about um, your you founded disinfo watch tell me what that organize, that initiative does and why it's important.
1: Well I started looking at disinformation already back in 2000 Two thousand seven, two thousand eight, particularly Russian disinformation targeting the Nordics uh, and the Baltic states. Um, that was really the first sort of testing ground uh, for a lot of this foreign disinformation that we're seeing today. Back then, it was uh, rather unsophisticated. Um, it targeted primarily uh, historical narratives and such. Um, and it's you know grown ever since then. We you know we saw what happened in twenty fourteen with the invasion of Crimea and how the Russians used disinformation. Uh, in in that operation, 2016 obviously was a huge moment for for Russian disinformation uh, and influence operations when they, um, you know, essentially uh, helped destabilize and and interfered in in the U.S. presidential election. And much of what we've seen over um, you know the past years, and certainly the uh, what we saw in Washington a, a couple of weeks ago, is is a product of that. The DisinfoWatch platform was started primarily to look at uh, foreign disinformation with regards to COVID. How um, regimes in Moscow and Beijing were using um, various different narratives, conspiracy theories, uh, hoaxes, and such um, to uh, to influence us and attack us um, and to sow confusion um, using using COVID. And so, what we do on a you know near daily basis is is look through uh, the various channels that we have, whether it's on social media, uh, state-sponsored media, um, to see if we can detect any uh, disinformation. And once we do, we try and capture that, um, uh, create a, uh, uh, a, a, a post on DisinfoWatch so that we can expose these for uh, media, um, you know, policymakers and such, so that they'll be aware of of those uh, narratives when they when they emerge. And uh, so far, we've, we've collected several hundred of them. And, um, you know, we're having quite a bit of success uh, in, in doing what we've we've set out to do.
0: And, and what are some of the um, the main forms of disinformation you're seeing? Like, give me some examples. What are you seeing that should concern governments around the world, particularly OSCE member states? Like, what, what are you seeing that that's being spread online?
1: I mean, a lot of this stuff is is, is pretty run-of-the-mill, you know, hoaxes about uh, various different cures that we're seeing uh, promoted, um, conspiracy theories about the origins of the virus. Uh, I mean, we were talking earlier uh, about the fact that the Chinese government has really undertaken a massive and very aggressive campaign over the past uh, uh, few days to promote the narrative that uh, the COVID virus was developed in a us Military laboratory in Fort Detrick, Maryland. Uh, you know the same narrative that was actually used by the Soviets in the nineteen eighties to uh, falsely claim that AIDS was developed by the U.S. government. Um, and so we're seeing this sort of uh, this sort of activity uh, on the on the Russian side as well. The Russians have now picked up this narrative again and, and have started promoting it on its own channels. Um, the other more concerning narratives that we're looking at are those that promote. Uh, anti-mask movements, uh, anti-lockdown movements, uh, and and to be sure, a, a lot of these are organic; they're domestic um, in nature, uh, the the actual movements. But what we're seeing is a lot of uh, foreign platforms, uh, whether it's sock puppets, trolls, um, promoting these these movements uh, and the events. And you know, I'm I'm quite concerned seeing these because you know, the if we take them for what they are, they may be. You know, innocent they may be you know a, a small marginal group of people just pushing back against the the frustrations that the the health protocols that we have have caused. But at, at their core, these are these are you know anti-government movements. Um, they're promoted by you know radical people on the right. and um, and we're seeing these movements grow. And what these foreign governments are doing, they're using s- certain platforms, especially conspiracy theory platforms, to legitimize some of these narratives. And the growth of the number of members on these social media groups is, is really is really exploding. And we're seeing other uh, sort of conspiracy theory linked uh, groups and marginal sort of extreme groups, uh, separatist movements, Western separatist movements in Canada who are also adopting these narratives. So, you know, I'm 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 quite concerned about this and we're seeing a lot of it, but we're not seeing there's we're not really addressing these narratives very very effectively at this point, and, and my fear is that they'll, they'll, they're going to uh, continue polarizing an already polarized society uh, in the coming months.
0: So, so, Marcus, when you're seeing this, is it predominantly targeting Canada and the U.S. or are you seeing countries in Europe also um, um, be affected by the same the same issue? Is it is it really Western European countries as well? Is it Central Europe? Is it all over?
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good question. So. I actually came upon these anti-mask and anti-lockdown narratives through uh, some Russian state media reports that were focused on Germany. So in Germany, we have the Kredenken movement, which is very much, I mean, it's it's like the QAnon movement, but the German version of it. And back in early August, they had some pretty massive rallies in Berlin, uh, which were, uh, which were... I mean, they were they were covered nonstop by by RT and and broadcast not just to uh, German RT but to RT and their their platforms around the world. So these aren't, you know, it's it's not a a movement, and this isn't a problem that's exclusive to Canada. This is very much a problem in Europe. We're seeing a lot of the uh, far right populist movements pick up on these narratives, and so it's a it's a problem in Europe. It's a problem in Canada, and certainly uh, in the U.S. And it, what I'd also add to that you know i just mentioned QAnon. um these anti-mask narratives seem to be linking into that entire QAnon movement the conspiracy movement so that's that's deeply concerning to see uh, as well
0: so so this i mean people ask why should governments care about disinformation and i i think you hit the nail on the head you said there there some of these movements are, are anti-government movements yes. um, so in the long run they they can pose a challenge to democracy, uh, to human rights. I mean, it really is something that we have to um, perhaps pick up our game and get more serious about.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, at their core, I mean, these movements are, what they're doing is they're eroding trust in our elected public officials. They're eroding trust in media, in mainstream media and established media. And eventually what that leads to is an erosion of trust in each other. Um, And and that is one of the uh, objectives of foreign disinformation, is the subversion and undermining and destabilizing of our democracies. And that's the effect. It's this corrosive effect that these conspiracy theories have. Um, And, you know, say what you will or whatever the the narrative is, whether it's anti-mask, anti-vax, or or anything else, you know, suggesting that uh, our political leaders are pedophiles and such, they all lead to the same end. And um, and you're absolutely right. I don't think that Western governments at this point are are doing nearly enough to address this problem. I think some governments, uh, you know, the European Union with the Eastern Stratcom and EU versus Disinfo is really, I mean, f- much further ahead than a lot of other Western countries individually within the EU and certainly North America um, you know, if we look at Canada, Canada has, has absolutely failed in this regard. There's apparently some new legislation and regulations coming out uh, down the road. But, uh, you know, so far, uh, we, we haven't seen enough. And and this isn't a problem. It's not something that we should be addressing in the year. I mean, this is a now we should have been addressing this, you know, three or four years ago. Um, uh, but here we are right now, and we're still not doing anything, we need to do something now. And we really need to work together. Uh, uh, Europe, the United States, Canada and
0: our and our allies in, in Asia as well. So I, I think it, to talk a bit about artificial intelligence, I, I know you're not a, an expert on AI, neither am I, but we're talking about how do we deal with disinformation in cyberspace on all these platforms and there's just so much data to, and this, things that humans yeah. can't do ourselves. I'm wondering, have you done any research? Is anyone doing anything using AI or, or are, we, are we at a loss? Like, like what are you uncovering in looking at disinfo and AI? Yeah,
1: I, you know, I think we're just getting started on um, looking at how AI can can help our research in in detecting and monitoring disinformation. You know, I think a lot of, of work in in that area in cyber was focused on tracking bots in the past, um, which were, I think, effective in the sort of 2014, 2015, 2016 world. I'm not sure today how effective bots are. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these social media platforms already are deploying AI to detect that bot-like, inauthentic activity, um, and uh, even when we we see it in our sort of qualitative research and just going through posts manually. Um, You can see, you know, the use of hashtags, you know, I don't know how many people really use hashtags, any normal people use hashtags, I think we just sort of tweet and, um, you know, there are various terms that are picked up just organically in those tweets, so we don't use hashtags, I think, uh, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the fact that the, the Chinese government is right now engaging in this, this new origin conspiracy theory, they're using the hashtag Fort Detrick. And so, uh, I've spent most of the morning today sort of going through those hashtags and analyzing them. and and, you know, I would say that ninety five percent of the tweets that I'm seeing are clearly it's bot like activity um, that's out there. So, you know, as far as you know those bots go and AI goes, I think bots, I mean, they speak to themselves. I'm not sure how much of an effect they're having in the real outside world. Um, and as far as any sort of other AI that's used to, uh, promote disinformation. You know, I, I think we're limited to primarily social media platforms. Even on Facebook, you can generally detect the uh, the Balt like activity uh, on some of these accounts. Uh, I, over the weekend, I spent a lot of time analyzing some of the disinformation surrounding um, the Alexei Navalny and, and the protests that were happening in Moscow. And you can see, I mean, these you know the 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 accounts that are out there, you'll they'll make some sort of a comment, and then you know uh, if you go to their to their actual account site, they're, they're posting pictures of teddy bears and waterfalls, and then occasionally these, these political messages. Um, so if we can develop some AI to detect that, that, that would be great. I think that a lot of the work with regards to disinformation though, is really, it needs to be, it's qualitative. It's understanding the, the intent behind it, who's behind it, what are the motivations, who is the disinformation, what, what goals is it helping achieve? And I'm not sure that we're there yet with AI um, to, to use that to, to, to help us analyze it. I mean, there are certain ways it can help us, but it won't help us analyze it. What I am afraid of with regards to AI is how AI is being used to create deepfakes and, and other forms of disinformation. Um, you know, I'm sure that you've seen it, anybody else watching this video, if you're, on, if you're on Twitter, there are often these ads for this app that allows you, I think it's called Reface, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's scary. How sophisticated this sort of technology? You can just get an app and sort of rescan your own face or somebody else's face and place it on somebody else's. Um, and I think we're going to be seeing more of this. Obviously, you know, this this technology um, has already been around for some time, limited pro- primarily to you know, porn sites and, and etc. Um, but I think this is this is emerging, and it's it's going to get the the quality of the technology is just only going to improve. And, uh, and you know, right now, when we're in this era, and hopefully leaving this era where we have some elected officials who are supporting conspiracy theories and, and legitimizing them, as we saw in the US, um, if we can, if we add deep fakes into that mix, you know, we already have uh, a large part of the population who's having trouble under, you know, discerning truth from fact when it comes to information on the on the internet shared on social media if we add fake deep fakes to that mix um you know it's only going to cause more confusion and and potentially trouble
0: i, I have seen that apps where you can put any face onto arnold schwarzenegger uh, as the terminator and 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 i've seen it go viral but but i, I i'm with you I, the era we're in the era of, of we won't be able to tell what's what's true or not and and ai powered deep fake technology is another aspect of disinformation um that's that's Going to impact us, um, Marcus. I'd like to maybe just turn this, uh, maybe one or two last questions, and get more about about what all this means for human rights. About the, the combination of AI, disinformation, online manipulation. What does this mean for for freedom of expression? Because because I think there's two things, and and, and I'll, I'll I'll just mention them. Is one is. If you believe in a conspiracy theory, it's not a crime. And if you hear you get taken offline, um, is that limit your freedom of expression? Another aspect is that there are journalists uh, writing in uh, news outlets, sharing articles online about truthful information about COVID and you have people and sometimes bots, AI attacking them, uh, reducing their ability to share information and, and almost undergoing cyber harassment. Um, and limiting their freedom of expression. So, so how do you see freedom of expression in all of this? Is it something that, that we have to get right? Do we have to, like, what should governments be doing to, to, to do this careful balance of fighting disinformation, but guaranteeing freedom of expression?
1: Yeah, and it's not just bots that are attacking these journalists and analysts who are posting online. There's are sock puppets, and of course, if we go to influence operations, there are proxies that there are supporters, enablers of these regimes who are living right here in in Canada and Europe, working in universities, academics, former diplomats, who are uh, who are also coming out and attacking <clears throat> the truth, as it were. Um, the, I mean, this the the balance to all of this, I think, is the the key, and this is what I think we're is one of our greatest challenges today is where do we where do we find that balance? You know, I I don't think anyone wants to engage in censorship. That's 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 not the answer here. Um, uh, But then again, you know, you know, freedom of speech is is also a human right. I mean, this is this is one of the things that we're seeing when it comes to foreign influence and intimidation. We're we're seeing these foreign governments using other social media platforms, um, state media, and such, to to try and intimidate uh, critics into silence. Um, you know, we're seeing, of course, a lot of this within the Chinese community, among Chinese human rights activists. Um, you know, human rights activists uh, in the Iranian community, uh, you know, Russian critics of the Putin regime. Um, they're all facing this these sorts of attacks. Um, and, and we need to take this seriously. This is, you know, freedom of expression is, is a fundamental human right. Um, and so if we, you know, in the Canadian or in the, in the, you know, Western context, if we allow foreign regimes to try and silence, whether it's journalists or critics, this is, this is a huge problem and it's a violation of their human rights. And this is, we have to look at the problem through that specific lens, um, to protect our own human rights and free speech at the same time, how do we, how do we deal with, uh, those individuals who support these regimes who are helping amplify um, narratives that are supportive of them or or you know even you know as you mentioned conspiracy theories. Um, they you know people have a right to individuals, organizations have a right to to say these these silly things. but I think as as you know Western citizens, we also have a right um, and, I, and I think that, our governments have a responsibility to protect us from them. So whether that's, you know, um, labeling foreign disinformation for what it is, you know, I think that some uh, tech, tech tech companies are, are doing a pretty good job of labeling foreign disinformation. You know, RT is clearly labeled as Russian uh, state media. Um, we need to do more of that. Um, you know, one example of this is uh, with conspiracy theories is there's a Canadian website based in, in Montreal called uh, globalresearch.ca, which was recently identified by the State Department as being one of the pillars of uh, Russian foreign disinformation. Um, I was on a call with with Google uh, a few weeks ago to talk about how Google can help combat these sorts of foreign disinformation and extremism, and we went to the globalresearch.ca website, and um, and there was some advertising on there, And and we clicked on the little blue ad choices button and it took us to a Google page, which, you know, Google admitted that it means that Google is helping um, helping this sort of a website and other websites like it generate revenue and that keeps them alive. So, you know, I think we need to work with our tech companies to make sure that they're not um, facilitating and enabling uh, these sorts of uh, platforms. But the government shouldn't be responsible for, and we shouldn't be taking down these sorts of platforms. I mean, they're these, you know, again, they they may be spouting lies and such, but there must be some way that we can, first of all, you know, regulate uh, any sort of revenue streams that they have, but also making sure that we, like I said, label, um, you know, the, whether it's these websites or any sort of foreign state broadcast, make sure that we, that those who are watching them understand that it is state possibly state media, state funded uh, information that they're they're receiving from them.
0: Marcus, I wanna thank you for taking time to join us today and to share your your knowledge, your expertise, and for ending this with some really concrete things that could be done to try to deal with disinformation. Um, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Kyle. And thank you for everything that you're doing.